Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I'd like to say welcome to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. You know, it's Thursday. It's June 29th, the year of our Lord 2017, and because it's Thursday, that means that this is, in fact, the aftermath. And because it's the aftermath, that's essentially all the shite that I couldn't fit into the Tuesday show. And that for whatever reason I didn't discuss on the Wednesday Sackheads radio show last night. And it also means that we've got some very special stuff coming up for you. Um, one of those is um, we're going to go someplace new. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a new guest. We're going to have two new guests. Um, I, I'm not even going to do the intro, all right? I guess you guys expect the intro, but I'm not quite going to do that. I'm going to say tonight in the saloon, we have Dan Butcher, the High Plains Pundit. And uh, to that, I can only say good afternoon, good evening, and uh, good to hear you and see you. Dan, how are you, sir? Good evening, BZ. Can you hear me now? I can hear you quite well. As a matter of fact, wow, that was really hot. Let me turn it down just a bit. Try it now, sir. How does this sound? One, two, three. Is that much better? Now that sounds great. Well, folks, awesome, man. this is new. I have not done this before, and of course, the uh, bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon is always sort of transmogrifying, shall we say. And so what I'm hoping is that uh, Dan Butcher, the High Plains Pundit, will be in the saloon every Thursday as a regular featured guest. And uh, for those of you who don't know, Dan, um, I could introduce you. I probably couldn't do it as well as you can. Um, I'm going to try. 
Dan is is very important in the media world because Dan does what I would quantify as about 75,000 things at once. Uh, <laughs> he, he is an absolute stellar media figure. He, for example, and I'm probably not going to hit the half of it, you can find Dan on High Plains Pundit. You can find Dan on High Plains Talk Radio. You can find Dan on High Plains TV. You can find Dan on Facebook. You can find Dan on Twitter. Welcome, Dan Butcher, the High Plains Pundit. Please tell me, I'm sure I've left something out. Please. Well, you you left out SHR Media, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Welcome. Welcome to the land of Captain Obvious. I got everything else except my own damn network. Holy crap. Boy, I really hope Sean isn't listening right now. Well, I know Clint isn't, but I really hope Sean is not listening right now. Okay, but Dan, other than that massive mistake, did I miss some place where we can find you? No, you know what, man? That you know, my 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 little media company is HPP Media. Uh, you can you can get you can find everything by going to the homepage at highplanespundit.com. dot uh, com. That'll get you to High Plains Talk Radio. That'll get you to High Plains Pundit TV. You can even hook up with SHR Media from High Plains Pundit. So <laughs> if you kind of go there, you can you'll you'll get to everything. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, you name it. You can you can you can get wherever you want to to follow us uh, from highplanespundit.com. Now I I talked about you. No, I didn't. I didn't speak directly to you, but I I talked about you one time. And I've been a blogger since two thousand and four, and I consider it wonderful, incredible output. If I put out maybe a post. A day, but I want to be consistent. I want to get out at least one post a day. Sometimes, if I'm really over the top, I'll have two. And on a, in just an incredible day, I'll have three. Well, I look at your, I look at your Facebook. I look at uh, High Plains Pundit. I look at shrmedia.com, and and you pump out the posts with great prodigious frequency, and you're in radio. And you produce TV, and you also produce um, other radio shows, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you also you answer all the questions for Sean, and you take care of the SHR Media um, website. Uh, Dan, when do or if do you sleep? That's all I have. Do um, you sleep? I I, I don't. <laughs> You know, you know. Let me let me tell you, BZ. I, it, it's actually a lot easier than what it, than it looks. I'm, I'm very fortunate that you know, you know, on a on a daily basis, personally, I write anywhere from five to ten articles myself. Uh, I'm very blessed to have a great group of contributors uh, that contribute to to High Plains uh, pundit. Uh, I also have a. I'm also very fortunate to have a lot of great partnerships. Uh, we partner with the Texas Tribune here in Texas. Uh, we're also a member of Associated Press. Uh, there will be some that go boo, so it's, but you know what? That's that's something very unique uh, for for a conservative media outlet such as mine to be uh, a member of Associated Press. So that allows us 
us a lot of fortitude uh, as far as content, particularly when we need photos and stuff like that. Oh, and yeah. of course, uh, and of course, High Plains Talk Radio. It is what it is. We have a great lineup of shows. We have uh, I, I keep the lineup at at twenty five shows. Uh, so that they so that they rotate cleanly on an on-demand format, and then of course, uh, along with that, our, our great partnership with SHR Media. Well, we do something a little bit different at S, at SHR Media. Uh, I will occasionally post some original content at SHR, but we use SHR more as a news aggregator uh, than a, than an original source site. So uh, since since SHR Media is a broadcast. Uh, outlet in that we we do aggregate a lot of news uh, on SHR Media, uh, you know. To you know, obviously, I'll be honest. You know, sometimes uh, when you're on the site and stuff, you know, folks want to look at stuff uh, while they are while they're listening to shows, and so that gives them to a, a great opportunity to catch up on some on, on some stories that they might not see elsewhere. They can go visit the original sites and, and read up on the stories so that we can bring them to their attention. And so that's what we've done with. Uh, with SHR is try to use as as site aggregation. And of course I will post some original content uh, from High Place Planet, just like you do when you, when you cross post uh, some original content from your own website. You know, I wanted to make sure that I had you on tonight and that I attempt, if I, I say nice, kind, soothing words, to get you on every Thursday because you have a great insight. You've been in the business for a long time. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I was in radio myself. But you have been at it consistently much longer than I have. So you have, you have great insight into media itself. You have insight into how the media works, how it functions, and all the various elements that it takes to assemble good radio, good TV, a good newspaper. Well, here's the other thing. Are you not an editor at a newspaper there in Texas? Well, we we actually, uh, as part of our media company, we do have uh, we do have two newspapers, uh, as well as various several various local websites. Uh, but you know, basically, we sit back and we let the editors control all of that. Uh, uh, we're invested in those, but uh, but you know, I have a you know going back to it, I actually started in this business when I was in high school way back in 1983 is when I got my first taste of journalism Perfect. and I've been doing it every and I've been doing it every since and uh, I I actually got into new media if you want to call it that of course you know we've, we we now we you know now it's just media and we can talk about that because you know there, I I personally believe there's no longer such a thing as just newspapers there's no such thing as just TV outlets and such uh people are media companies now and have very very different sources and different avenues and different products that they do as part of their as part of their media company high plains pundit is an example of that we have high plains talk radio we have uh, high plains uh, pundit tv as part of that but you know i i actually started out in this format back in 2009 um and I was kind of a latecomer uh, to blogging. You know, I started out with just a simple blog on Blogspot, which is owned by Google. Right. And uh, my very first day, I had fifty nine readers. So I thought, woohoo! You know, <laughs> I made it. Oh, you, you know, oh, and, you beat me. And, and, I, I, and I and I started out. You know, um, you know, I started out 
uh, I was in the newspaper business. I have worked for uh, I've worked for C C N H I. I've worked for Hearst. I've worked for Gannett. I have worked for uh, for Morris Communications uh, at various newspapers and stuff here around the state of Texas. Uh, and you know, in 2009, that's when the big newspaper collapse took place. And uh, there was a lot of us that were, you know, quite honestly, where our positions were eliminated, downsized. Uh, we were told goodbye. <laughs> well, <laughs> you yeah. know, as Along with everything else. Yeah. Yeah, 2008 and the crash. Yeah. And so my, I came to my wife, Tara's going to take a couple of weeks and decide what I was going to do. And a couple of weeks I came to her and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to start something new. I'm going to start blogging. I'm going to start podcasting. And my wife uh, was like, hey, that is great. What a, that sounds fantastic. Now I, now I have uh, two questions for you. What are blogging and what are podcasting? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to make a long story short, you know, I'm an old radio guy, too. You know, I, I did, I, you know, I did uh, FM radio. Uh, you know, uh, you know, doing you know when I, back when I started doing radio, we were actually still playing, you know, forty uh, fives. Uh, we were still doing our advertising on reel to reel tapes. Uh, those were back in the days. If you had to go to the bathroom, oh, yeah. you played one of two songs. You yep. played extended versions of Freebird or Stairway to Heaven. And quite <laughs> honestly, if you had to go one and two, you played them back to back. So. <laughs> Here's how I date myself. When I used to have to do that same thing, yes, I'm very familiar with those, I would play in Agata de Vida. That dates me oh my God. terribly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know... And so you know we you know we started that you know by our store we we started the original High Plains Pundit in 2009. We've grown from those original 59 readers to we're somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 million page views a month now. Holy uh, crap. High Plains Talk Radio is somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, I, we we've gone over the million listener mark two or three times. Uh, on a most of the time, we average somewhere around seven hundred and fifty thousand listeners a month. So uh, to all of our programs, so so it's it's built up very nicely. Uh, we're very proud of what we do. Uh, we make no buts about it. We're we're a conservative media outlet. Uh, we don't hide that fact, but we do distinguish the difference. We do a lot of hardcore news, a, hard, a, lot, a lot of hardcore reporting uh, on all sides of the issues. Uh, I think many people that know me enough that have listened to my own program over the years know that I'm neither a Republican or a Democrat. I am a what I call an American. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and if you and if you want to label me, I, I, I do what I guess you would call classic liberalism, which would be considered conservatism to today. Uh, that is what I do, and that's my philosophy and my beliefs on different things. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 my, my thing is, is just be honest. Be honest in what you're doing. Put the facts, put the, uh, put the figures out there, do the reporting. And you know what? If you make a mistake, own up to it. Oh, my. That's a story for another time. Holy crap. Well, anyway, we're talking, folks, to Dan Butcher. He is the High Plains Pundit. Uh, you are out of Texas, and uh, which, which town or city are you in? 
I am smack dab in the middle of Interstate 40. Uh, I, I live in the Texas Panhandle. I live in a in a in a in, a, in the Amarillo, Texas metro area. Okay. Uh, and and if you if you're familiar with the area, this is where uh, Paladuro Canyon is. Uh, kind of this type of area. Uh, it's the second largest canyon in, in the country, behind, uh, of course, that 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 thing they've got across the country going to California. You know that big hole in the ground, right. uh, the Grand Canyon. But uh, you know we live in a very beautiful part of the country uh, in the in the Panhandle, fiercely independent. Uh, it's probably the most conservative area in the state of Texas. Uh, 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 voting wise and uh, and uh, policy wise, etc. Uh, of course, uh, probably we we have a very very you can I can count on one hand how many Democrats hold office in our in our in our local and county seats here. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's that type of area yes. uh, that I live in. But it's uh, I'm very I've lived here all my life. Very proud of the area. And uh, it's made me who I am today. I, I, I laugh and joke sometimes. You know, I, I, uh, when I go on the radio, I don't know why people come and listen to my own show. I don't ask God any questions. I just do uh, because I have a very strong Texas accent. Uh, I, I'm very noted. One of, the, one of the very funny things on my own show is I'm, I'm very noted for mispronouncing names. <laughs> it takes hey. me sometimes two or three times to pronounce them correctly because a lot of times I'm doing stuff off the cuff, so I don't rehearse the names beforehand. But when I have guests, I do make sure that I do I have those down pat. Well, hey, BZ is interesting to pronounce. Besides, I like accents anyway, as you can yeah. clearly see. But the reason I wanted to have you on and the reason that I wanted to see if I could get you uh, to be a, a standard, uh, a, a concurrent, a standard uh, weekly contributor is SHR is changing. And as of July yeah. 2nd and July 3rd, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going to be changing at SHR. So I think it's a wonderful thing that we're linked to someone such as yourself who brings a lot of strong, incredible content we're linked to you. The radio is changing. Uh, we're going to YouTube. Almost all the, the new uh, hosts are going to YouTube. I mean, things are changing quite a bit. So I have to say, number one, thank you for coming on tonight. And number one, and number two, it's an, it's an honor to have you on here. And I hope to have you and your contributions uh, every Thursday night. But I wanted to speak sort of an intro kind of thing, the very first show that we talk about. Um, in, in terms of your background, I'm, people would think that I'm a registered Republican. I'm actually an independent and I'm a conservative right. with, uh, some libertarianism thrown in as well. I guess you'd say I'm a small L libertarian because I'm, I'm not an open borders guy and I'm not a smoke all the dope you can and want kind of guy, but I do have some serious libertarian bits to me, so to speak. And the reason I wanted to have you on is because you have some great insight, you have some great media history, and I hope that we, we continue with this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of use you as insight to your portion of uh, the playground, so to speak. So with that said, I have to ask you, because of your lengthy history in, in media, what the hell is going on with media today? Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. 
BZ, and we have the, we could do a whole show on this. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> quite quite honestly, we could. Uh, and so I'm gonna try to keep it brief. And you know, if you run me over past and you need to, you 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 feel free to do that. But because I want to make sure you get a good answer to this, but. Uh, you know, there's a lot of changes taking place in me. I think you're very aware of that. Uh, yes. I'm, you know, and I, and I will argue, and I, and I will throw this out here for starters. You know, if you've got a show like what you're doing, BZ, and everything that you do uh, in with with your with your own blog and stuff like that, you're a member of the media. Uh, you don't have to have formal training. Now, granted, I went to school and, and, and got a degree in mass communications, etc. Yes, I did too. The, uh, yeah, and, you know, and, and when I entered the, uh, when I entered the, uh, when I entered the, the military many years ago out of high school, you know, my dream was to be a reporter for Stars and Stripes. I mean, that's, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a military reporter, uh, be on the front lines, be right in the middle of everything. And, uh, but that, you know, that's not the way my career path ended up taking me uh, but bottom line is is that when we've got stuff happening today and 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 then people and I and, and I know Donald Trump has had a lot to do with this but what you're seeing is especially with the turn because and I was one of the ones that was real outspoken about this and, and I knew we were going to see this because you know for the last eight years all you saw especially from the liberal media uh, and we'll call it the liberal legacy progressive media, uh, was all they did was cover for Barack Obama. They were, they were his biggest cheerleaders. They didn't ever go into depth and investigate anything that he did. Now, those of us on the right, uh, we certainly did that. Uh, those of us in conservative media, we, we investigated, we looked into different things. Uh, whether it was Benghazi, Fast and Furious, uh, you know, I mean, we were in the middle of it. Uh, but I did the same thing when I was a reporter during the George W. Bush years. Uh, I was out. I've told everybody, and everybody knows that if you listen to me on the air, I was harder on a, on George W. Bush than I ever was on Barack Obama because George W. Bush was supposed to represent some of my values. So I tended to you know question a lot more. But, BZ, I, as long as I've been involved in this business, and uh, I have certainly never seen uh, a turn, uh, a, a, a hatred. I mean, it's just a yes, pure hatred it is. for a president of the United States, uh, like we're seeing from the leftist media, uh, than they have for Donald Trump. And and now I will I will use the incident that took place earlier today between the the two hosts from uh, from uh, Morning Joe right. uh, and Donald Trump. Now you beat me to it. I think I think I think Donald Trump had every right to respond to the criticism. Now, I do have an issue with some of the remarks that Trump made. Uh, I think he could have done better. But you know what? That's Donald Trump. That's the way he's going to do things. And, and people, that are, and people that are surprised by Donald Trump, you really didn't pay attention to him yes. before he entered politics, and you didn't pay attention yes. to him while he was running for president because he hasn't changed one damn bit. He's still doing the same things. And that is what you were going to get with Donald Trump as president of the United States. That's why, that's why people love him. That's why people hate him. But the... The the left, and I, I don't remember 
I don't remember, you know, anybody on the right. Now we have radicals. We have we have lunatics on the far right. We have lunatics on the far left. But I never, we never saw uh, during George or during Barack Obama's presidency the type of nonsense, the type of violence that we're seeing now. Uh, these folks, these folks, whether it's Black Lives Matter, uh, whether it's uh, you know Antifa, uh, the various offshoots, La Raza, folks, these. You definitely had, you know, some conservative groups come up, the Tea Party, uh, different grassroots movements like that. But these were not organizations calling for the overthrow of the government, calling for the Constitution of the United States to be done away with. And that is what you're seeing with these leftist groups. And in certainly with the uh, with with the hatred and and the uh, and just pure. I mean, you you have members. You have members of the media, members of the leftist leftist media, you know, openly calling for harm to come to the president of the United States. You have leftists in Hollywood openly calling for the assassination of. Uh, of of Donald Trump. Most recently, Johnny Depp uh, made those type of comments. You, of course, everybody's familiar with uh, Madonna and, and some of the other folks that have made this. Uh, what we saw with Kathy Griffin, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. But you know, BZ, it's just the pure hatred that we're seeing from these folks. I have never seen. Uh, now, granted, we did a lot of investigations, and, and, I, and I'm not one that carries the water for Trump at all. I was not a Donald Trump guy. Neither was the election. I. I was, a, yep. I was a Ted Cruz guy. I was a t- and, okay. Uh, fist bumps for you right there. I was a Ted Cruz yeah. guy as well. You know, I was a Ted Cruz guy, but you know what? Trump won the primary. He was elected president. Pulled off the biggest upset in presidential politics in the history of this country and uh but what has happened is is these you're seeing for the first time and uh the the people of the united states are really getting a good look because you know in the past the media the leftist media those of us in conservative media we, you know we expose this stuff whether it's lunatics on the left lunatics on the right we 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 i know fox news uses the fair and balanced uh nonsense uh but you know those of us in conservative media for the most part we are fair and balanced reporting on both sides of the issues uh you know whether donald trump is doing something good doing something bad i have seen i have seen a lot of the reporting from conservative media today i have seen lots of very warranted criticism of the remarks that Donald Trump made about the host of uh, Morning Joe, but I also saw the, the the second side of that story saying, you know what, you know Donald Trump needs to take up for himself too because these folks are wacko. These folks are calling openly calling members of the leftist media openly calling for the overthrow of the president of the United States and for the overthrow of the federal government for the Constitution to be rewritten. It's 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 it, you know how, how you put it, man. It's flat out scary sometimes. Uh, that we never saw this, I, and you know, I, I was one of these people that embedded myself in the Occupy movement when the Occupy movement was really big. But we didn't even see this type, this amount of violence, this amount of pure hatred 
that we're seeing today. These groups that we're dealing with on the left, uh, whether it's uh, it's very, very scary. You folks need to be very aware. Very, very scary uh, situation that we see developing with some of these. And, and, and BZ, to be quite honest with you, there are folks in the leftist media that are their biggest cheerleaders. They're, they're promoting these folks. They're, 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 co- you know, they're covering for them. But one thing for sure is that for the first time in a long time, uh, we're being able to expose this because they haven't been able because they're more emboldened. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they they think that they they can get away with this stuff, and now because the 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 liberal the liberal media has also been exposed as being in bed with these folks, uh, it's a lot harder for them to cover up certain aspects of of the brutality and the. Uh, and just how radical these folks really are, and and when you and when you see that coming out in the leftist media, like what we're seeing, and, and the and just the attacks, I, I'll use this real quick because I know you got to go to a break here in a minute. Uh, I'll use what we're seeing in the White House press corps as a great example. We yes. have a we we have several. Uh, uh, members of the White House press corps that have come become big celebrities all of a sudden. Uh, you know, and I posted some remarks last night in, in the chat room from a gentleman uh, uh, that was uh, that has become the latest celebrity because he quote unquote stood up for the rights of the press. He's not going to be bullied anymore. You know, this guy was almost starting to cry. Uh, you know, it's theater. He it's that he theater. Was being bullied by the administration. It's theater. I call it theater of the absurd. It's like like going to Kabuki theater. And one of the reasons that Trump put a stop to that is because all these guys were doing in TV when the cameras were on them is preening and having theater staged in a White House uh, in the White House press call. It's a stage. It's fake. It's fake news and it's fake umbrage. I, you know what? I have no qualms. I, I think you know the, the the role of the press is to be a check and balances. Okay, our job is to you know if if we see something, we need to investigate it. We need to get down to the bottom of the story, and we need to keep pressing and keep pressing until we do. But there is a line there when you have an agenda. Uh, when you have an agenda, and the agenda that we're seeing with a lot of whether it is. Uh, whether it's NBC, whether it's ABC, whether it's CBS, uh, in particularly CNN, uh, is at the top of the list here. Uh, when you're, you know, I've, I posted an article on uh, on uh, on SHR, and I'm going to give these to you real quick before you go to break. Hold on, let me let me pull this up because I want you to have these real quick, uh, having to do with how obsessed. TV news is with the with the with the probe into uh, whether Russia uh, tried to influence the 2016 presidential election. Right. This was the focus of Trump coverage from May 17th to June 20th. Russia Comey investigation got 353 minutes. Climate change 47, fighting terrorism 29, Obamacare repeal and replace 17, economy 5 minutes, unveiling new Cuba policy 5 minutes, tax reform well cut below 1 minute, infrastructure spending 3 minutes. I think you get the jest. Yes. They are completely obsessed with this because they think that that is, they're like sharks in the water. They think they're smelling blood, but here's the thing. In that 353 minutes of coverage, 
They did not expose one damn connection, one yes. damn thing that yes. implicated Donald Trump as to being in bed with the uh, Russians trying to influence the election. One thing that did come to light was the fact that Barack Obama and the Obama administration did absolutely nothing to stop the Russian interference into the election. And the Russians, were the Russians trying to uh, influence the outcome? No. But what they really were doing, they were testing the waters to see if they could cause a little bit of panic, could cause a little bit of this, a little bit of that, make people stop and think. And they certainly accomplished that. And the Obama administration did not do a damn thing to stop it. No, they didn't. I'll tell you what, I got another question. Can you hold on for about another five minutes after the break? Because I have a final question for you. I sure can. Okay. Folks, we are talking to Dan Butcher. He is the High Plains Pundit. Come here every Thursday. You're going to hear Dan at the beginning of the show, and I thank him for that ever so kindly. We're going to come right back with Dan Butcher after the break. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Breaking news. According to the latest report coming out of SHR Media, a merchandise store to support both the Reaver of Common Sense and SHR Media has just been unleashed to the general public. Be forewarned that this site can be contagious and numerous items can be purchased to support the best news programming. Go to Reaver.one website and click on the store link to check out the merchandise. Hello, I'm Matt, a student at Hillsdale College. Here is Hillsdale President Larry Arn on the continuing relevance of the Constitution. Many argue today that the Constitution is outdated because it addresses problems peculiar to the 18th century. Some parts of the Constitution do read rather quaintly. Consider the injunction against titles of nobility in Article 1, Section 9 of the Constitution. But is that so outdated? The purpose of the injunction is to prevent the government granting special privileges to some for partisan reasons. This strikes at the heart of the rule of law. The crony capitalism, so common today, is a place where the government bestows favors and tax dollars on some businesses to give them a leg up over others. This is exactly the kind of thing the Constitution was meant to prohibit. The Constitution is not so outdated after all. This Constitution Minute was brought to you by Hillsdale College. To join the national conversation on the Constitution, go to constitutionminute.com. Names are dark. The people misled by corrupt politicians, lied to by establishment media, and deceived by the false messages of Islam. A nation in confusion needs a guide. It needs a man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker, SHR Media, High Plains Talk Radio, Live Rebooting Liberty and YouTube for a unique brand of commentary on the Unpleasant Blind Guy. Because truth is not always pleasant. In a world controlled by corrupt politicians. You got a business. That You didn't build that. A team of ordinary men emerge from the ashes to give voice to the voiceless and hope to the hopeless. Sackhead Sean. Dude, I'm not saying Catholic is stupid, bro. Sackhead Clint. All good friends of ours usually show, show up drunk. Also starring Socko as the producer. 
I'm a little bit drunk, I'm a little bit drunk, cause I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. They are the Sackheads Radio Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific on SHRmedia.com. Beware, the Jersey Takeover is here. Every Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can catch the Rework Common Sense Show, hosted by Jersey Joe, right here on shrmedia.com and hyphensdailynews.com. Only Jersey can deliver hell like no one else. So consider this your fair warning. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. In a world where insanity reigns supreme and safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists, it's comforting to know an ancient, fat, long-haired, bearded reprobate has your mind in mind. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California. And despite every attempt by the SHR Media Network to revoke his shameless contract, we return to the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, welcome back to the Aftermath. It's Thursday, June 29th, the year of our Lord, 2017, and you're in the saloon tonight with Dan Butcher, the High Plains Pundit. I hope to have him back every Thursday and have uh, his insight contributed to the show. Uh, We are still talking to Dan. Dan, i got to ask you a final question, and I'd like to go over this story because once I saw this, I noticed... This is something that uh, not very many people are covering. Covering, And as a matter of fact, this came from you. Here's the headline. Potential conflict of interest for acting FBI chief. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley is asking the Justice Department to address more revelations of potential conflicts in the FBI's handling of recent politically charged investigations. Grassley's request follows news reports that the acting director engaged in a political campaign and is the subject of an ongoing sex discrimination complaint supported by former Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. In a letter to Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, Grassley outlined the various investigations into acting director, uh, FBI Director Andrew McCabe, and any potential conflicts of interest resulting from his role in the FBI probes. But Dan Butcher. This isn't the first time he's been dirty in concert with James Comey. The reason I read that is because that shows, number one, the content of HP Pundit, of the High Plains Pundit, and the stuff that you write. Number two, um, nobody else seems to be covering this, sir. Well, you know, here's the thing, and and here is the main connection between... uh, and here's where the um, here's where the conflict of interest comes into play is the fact that when uh, uh, McCabe there's a there's a there's a lot of speculation that 
McCabe inappropriately engaged in uh, political campaign activity during his wife's bid yes, to be exactly. a Virginia State Senator. Yep. And uh, McCabe's wife's campaign, are you ready for this, folks? Received nearly seven hundred thousand dollars. Yes, almost. You're talking. We're getting, we're talking some serious money here, especially for a state race in Virginia to be a state senator. Seven hundred. Most campaigns don't even have that much in those type of races. But nearly seven hundred thousand dollars from close allies of guess who? Are you ready for this, folks? Oh, I Hillary know. Clinton. Yep. <laughs> And, and, and the connections are always too close uh, with Hillary Clinton, uh, with different investigations here and there, here and there. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, you know, there's certainly. I, I'm not one of these folks that's going to subscribe to the fact that there was a shadow government left in place uh, by the Obama administration, but there was certainly a lot of landmines uh, laid by the Obama administration. No, I, for, I, I wouldn't the, call it a shadow government for the new president. Yeah, I What's wouldn't that? call it. I wouldn't call it a shadow government. It's just the people that were already in place for the past exactly. eight years. But there's another aspect to this that I mentioned. That makes to me, and thank you for pointing this out, makes McCabe complicit is the fact that with the information that you just gave, with the relationship to, uh, relationship to the Democrats and his wife and to uh, the Virginia governor, McAuliffe, uh, that's when, oh, I hope you're sitting down, that's when FBI Director James Comey said to his good buddy McCabe, oh, by the way, I find there to be absolutely no conflict of interest here, nothing to see. This is not the conflict you move, you're looking for. Move on. Exactly. And, and I think we're pretty well. And, and, and I, I, am under the, I am under the impression that as we continue to probe into this and we continue to look into this, that you know, this is my thing. I think a lot of the coverage that we see pertaining to Russia and any connections between Donald Trump and Vlad Putin, uh, I think a lot of that are cover stories. I think a lot of that is being fed because usually when we get down to it, there's nothing there, absolutely nothing there. And I think a lot of those stories are being fed, uh, the, and certainly the liberal media, the dinosaur media, the progressive media, whatever you want to call them, they're jumping all over those stories, hoping and praying that there is a connection. Exactly. But I think those type of stories, particularly with the numbers I was giving about the coverage of, of, of the Russia probe, uh, and any investigations, every time somebody sniffles or, or even blinks the wrong way about Russia, it's front-page news. But these type of stories that we're talking about, conflicts of interest, uh, you know, potential, potential uh, uh, members of the federal government that are loyal to Barack Obama, uh, trying to, you know, leaking information, uh, trying, to, trying to stop uh, the Trump administration's agenda, trying to protect Barack Obama's agenda at all costs. Uh, a lot of those serious stories uh, kind of fall under the radar in the liberal media uh, because they're they're so entranced with Russia and trying to find some way to bring Donald Trump down, and, and there's not anything there. And so, and then we get to the real the real thing, and people forget that you know, you know we're still looking. You know the 
the uh, the State Department has launched an investigation that could cause Hillary Clinton all, and all her staff members their security clearances. I was there were also I was amazed at the amount of people that were surprised that Hillary Clinton still had security clearances. Yes, she does. Yes, and it's very she does. important that those get taken away from her. And so a lot of these stories that we continue to cover that you talk about on your show that we write about and cover high place pun at shr media as well as the blaze uh as well as the daily caller uh, you know uh hot air uh you name it the all the great conservative media outlets out there uh you know we're the ones that are doing the hardcore investigating the hardcore reporting trying to get down to stuff and and, and here's the thing too we're not going to shy away from Actual stories no. involving Donald Trump. If there's something there, the Russian uh, connection, we'll look into it. We'll try to find it. But like you were talking about earlier, important stories like this that are real serious, conflicts of interest, uh, they're, they're flying under the radar because uh, a, lot, a lot of the media are just refusing to cover it. There is an agenda. There is a clear agenda. Now, yes. all next next Tuesday on my show, I'm going to go in-depth with regard to CNN and whatnot. But I say it's all they are used to having and sitting in the catbird seat for the past eight years, and now they're getting pushback. And what is happening is this. They're becoming desperate and frustrated, and it's because of these three reasons. They're losing power, control, and money. And like a person that's out in the ocean, that's drowning, you give them a life preserver, or you go out there yourself to try to rescue you, they'll attempt to take you down and kill you with them. And it's no more important than that. They're not on November 9th. The Democrats are not on November 9th. The Amer- what I call the American media maggots are, on, are not on November 9th. You are doing the work... As Just as I, I say on my blog, I'm doing the job the American media maggots won't. You're doing the job. SHR is doing the job. That's why I want to have you on the, on the show. Exactly, man. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it, folks. We have been listening to Dan Butcher. He is the High Plains Pundit, direct, live and direct from Texas. Dan Once again, thank you ever so kindly for coming on tonight and giving us some background. I hope to hear you next Thursday. BZ, I will be back at the saloon, bellying up to the bar and ready to go, buddy. Thank you ever so kindly. Greatly appreciate it. Folks, that was Dan Butcher, the High Plains Pundit of High Plains Pundit Everything, basically. Um, Let me see. Time to turn down the microphone because things get really hot when Skype goes away. Um, Dan has a great insight, a great background, a great history. That's why I want to have him on every Thursday night. Now, here's the deal. What I also mentioned is the fact that uh, SHR is changing, and obviously for the better. Um, Things are becoming more competitive all around the nation, in news, in streaming, in streaming radio. All over the place. The challenges are massive because there is, I I exist to be pushback, so to speak, and my blog says the exact same thing. It's my job and SHR's job and Dan's job to push back on all the crap that's being foisted upon the American public under the guise of news, fake news. There's fake news, there's fake law. 
I wanted to have Dan on because uh, Dan provides an excellent insight, and I wanted wanted to introduce him to every everybody in uh, in SHR, everybody that listens to SHR. He's got a, a great uh, perspective, and that's why I wanted to have him on. Also, coming on later, uh, at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, my time, midnight on the East Coast, and 1723 and 175 uh, seconds in Bolivia, we will have Melanie Colette on. She's also a member of the SHR Media Network, and I want people to get familiar with, uh, with Melanie as well, to know about her, her background, her show, what she specializes in. So, at the top of the hour, we're going to be talking to Melanie Colette. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a, a great, grand time. One final thing uh, that was in uh, the article today about McCabe that um, Dan had written under High Plains Pundit. The conflict is clear. The conflict is ongoing. Dan wrote, McCabe is also reportedly the subject of an equal opportunity uh, an equal employment opportunity complaint for alleged gender discrimination dating back to 2014. Here's the link. Here's the conflict. In that case, Flynn, Michael Flynn, reportedly submitted a letter of support on behalf of a female FBI agent who reported the discrimination. Despite Flynn's role in the open complaint against McCabe, McCabe still worked on the FBI's investigation into Flynn's communications with Russian officials. Conflict. His wife's conflict. $700,000. Democrats. Hillary Clinton. James Comey saying that's all well and good. There's nothing here. There is no conflict whatsoever. That's why we're going to keep on all of this stuff. I'm not giving up. No one else is giving up. SHR is pushback. SHR is where you're going to find all the good stuff that you need to discover. And, of course, we're going to be at Freedom Fest. Um, like I say, Melanie Collette at the top of the hour. One other thing that I wanted to talk to folks about is Seattle. There's a lot of stuff going on with Seattle these days. Um, I'm going to get into it a little bit later, probably on Tuesday, in concert with CNN. But Seattle's having an issue with the minimum wage. You'll hear about that later. Seattle also had a gun tax, and they enacted it so that there would be less crime, correct? Because if Seattle enacts a gun tax, then logically that would mean that there will be less crime. Um, is that correct or not? And a judge upholds Seattle's so-called gun violence tax, the measure adding $25 to the price of each firearm sold in the city, plus two or five cents per round of ammunition. The Second Amendment Foundation promises an appeal. Founder Ellen Gottlieb says, quote, it is unconscionable for Mayor Ed Murray and the city council to codify what amounts to social bigotry against firearms retailers and their customers. Joining us now is Tucker Carlson, editor of The Daily Caller, co-host of Fox and Friends Weekend, and of course, Fox News contributor. Tucker, great to see you. Hey, good morning, Abby. So uh, we heard social bigotry there from Alan Gottlieb. Uh, is that something you would agree with? Well, I think it's just dumb. I mean, there's no social scientist or criminologist in the world who would say this is going to reduce gun violence. It's, it's a tax against all 
gun buyers and gun retailers when anyone who studies it knows a very small group of people is responsible for the overwhelming majority of gun violence in the country. But even from an epidemiological point of view, it doesn't make sense. Consider car accidents, which kill about three times more people than gun murders do. Would it make sense to increase the tax on car sales or require a background check to buy one or ban private sales of vehicles or to limit the number of gallons of gasoline you could put in your car? Of course not. Well, yes, it would if you're a leftist, because if you remember one of the answers that people in the European Union were saying with regard to Muslims and specifically Muslims driving into crowds and killing people was to limit vehicles into cities. That's insanity. Now, this video, this is interesting, and the reason I'm playing this video is because obviously it's Tucker Carlson, and I uh, enjoy listening to what he has to say, but this is just after the tax occurred in 2015. Now, we're going to hear him weigh in a little bit later after the tax occurred, because Seattle is saying, oh, with the gun tax up, there's going to be fewer guns on the street and crime will go down, right? Because if you're an emo leftist, that's how you think. You look at the populations that are most likely to cause car accidents. You look at drunk driving. You look at you know, young drivers. I mean, this is, this is not actually an answer to gun violence. It's a way of disarming law-abiding citizens, obviously, and they're not even pretending otherwise. They can't explain how this is going to make Seattle safer. It won't, and they know it. Well, And it's because all they have, all leftists have, is the emotive argument. It's not even an argument. It's an an attempted tug on your heartstrings if you're stupid enough to allow that to occur. What the city is arguing is this this raise in taxes is going to raise, what, about 500,000 they're going to put towards offsetting the cost of gun violence. And just to give people a sense, uh, the direct medical costs of treating about 250 gunshot victims last year in Seattle uh, totaled more than $17 million. Taxpayers end up paying for uh, more than 12 million of that. So do they have a point here in saying, look, the tax is going to come from somewhere. We might as well make those that are buying guns pay for that. Well, it's ludicrous. I mean, I don't know. What's the Hello. Unintended consequences, table for one or unintended consequences, table for the population of Seattle. Cost of treating AIDS in Seattle. We're going to, you know, tax everyone who uses intravenous drugs or you know, perform certain kinds of sex acts. I mean, it's it's insane. First of all, you, you don't ever blame the tool. You take a look at the person who commits the crime using the tool. Oh, no, 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 no. Not if you're a leftist. No, no, no. It's got to be the tool because that you can readily proscribe. You can't and shouldn't proscribe people. And you consider his motive in a way, you know, in a way that's useful to stopping him from doing it again. Your house falls down, you don't ban hammer sales because it was constructed with hammers and nails, right? I mean, again, there's no actual scientific justification for this. And that's puzzling given that the left is forever lecturing the rest of us about science and how the right doesn't believe in science or gravity or photosynthesis or global warming or whatever. And yet, time after time, their gun control proposals are not rooted in social science. And by the way, there's a lot of it. I wrote a book on this once. There's a lot of study that has been done on this question, longitudinal studies over decades about why people commit gun violence, and they don't make reference to any of it. It's just guns are bad. I mean, they're just, it's overwhelmingly emotional and therefore not useful. And by the way, it's fine. It's 
overwhelmingly emotional and therefore not useful. Thank you. Correct. It's emotional. It is emotional. Yes. And, and Tucker, you know there are a lot of people, of course, that, that are wanting more gun reform. So you wonder if this is going to be an experiment in Seattle that, that plays out elsewhere around the country. But, but Tucker Carlson, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks. And 28 past the hour, the White House facing strong criticism. Yeah, enough of you. But here's the article from Breitbart.com, because now there were consequences that were documented from this. The headline, Seattle gun tax failure, firearm sales plummet, violent spikes after law passes. When the city of Seattle passed a tax on all gun sales and ammunition, ammunition as well, of course, the measure was hailed as a way to defray the rising costs of gun violence. But since the tax took effect, those costs have only risen as gun violence in the city has surged. And the tax has apparently brought in much less than city leaders projected it would. Again, if you're a logical thinking human being, can you say that you did not see this coming? And the answer is yes. Leftists did not see that coming. How much data do you need? Asked Dave Workman, senior editor of thegunmag.com and member of the Second Amendment Foundation. The data says the law has failed to prevent what they promised it would prevent. Okay, all right. So, um, come on. Let's be honest because the leftists, uh, they certainly won't. First and foremost... This is another leftist assault on the Second Amendment, which leftists despise, uh, along with other aspects of the Bill of Rights as well, to include the First Amendment. So uh, this was how it was portrayed in 2015 uh, with uh, Tucker Carlson. And that's what I had played for you right there. But where's, where's the violence? The violence, as we've discussed is on behalf of the leftists. Um, and, and you have to look and examine all the host of violent events that have been occurring in American universities this year and last year where speakers were threatened. They were actually struck, either physically removed or had their presentations absolutely canceled because of other leftist uh, violence and whatnot. This was Berkeley. To defend ourselves. And so this shutting down Milo Yiannopoulos and doing whatever is necessary to do that is our right to self-defense. Shutting down your free speech is a right to self-defense. Perfect. Now, perhaps you're asking yourself, BZ, what's the connection? What's the nexus here? How, how, why? All of a sudden, were you talking about Seattle and the gun tax and the Second Amendment? Now you're talking about violence here. That's because this is an issue of freedom of speech. This is what the leftists think is wonderful. It's Violence. just absolutely horrific what's going on. It's horrible. It's disgusting what's going on right now. Um, and it's, it's one thing to protest someone's right to come here and speak, but it's another thing to create this much amount of destruction and violence and hurt and harm to other people. So you know what that nexus is. 
I support free speech. You know, it's Broward Plaza, sort of birthplace of campus free speech. So I decided to come to see if I could get in, see what he had to say, and see the marketplace of free speech ideas come about. And it just got shut down by a bunch of people in black block, you know, protester masks. And those are the people, that's that's why this is rather glorious, those are the people that are in masks that don't want to be in identified at all they call themselves antifa and they are absolute absolute anarchists now i said that i had more of tucker carlson and i do um i might play that a little bit later we're at the top of the hour we're gonna go and hit a break and then uh, we're gonna have melanie collette on who's a member of the shr media network And we're going to talk about her show and why you, as a matter of fact, need to listen to her show because she's got excellent insight of a different nature that's important to hear. Come right back. In a world where insanity reigns supreme and safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists, it's comforting to know an ancient, fat, long-haired, bearded reprobate has your mind in mind. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California. And despite every attempt by the SHR Media Network to revoke his shameless contract, we return to the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Right after this. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, it's Sean from the Sackheads Radio Show, also one of the owners here at the SHR Media Network. Are you opinionated? Have you ever wanted to do your own show? Have you ever heard somebody like the Sackheads and go, yeah, I could probably do that better? Well, now's your chance. Send me a five-minute clip at sackheadsradio at gmail.com, and maybe you can be part of the SHR broadcasting team. Sackheadsradio at gmail.com. Times are dark. The people are misled by corrupt politicians, lied to by establishment media, and deceived by the false messages of Islam. A nation looking for direction needs a guide. It needs a man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker, SHR Media, Pundit Press Radio, and YouTube through the SHR Media page for a different kind of commentary on the unpleasant blind guy. Because the truth is not always pleasant. In a world controlled by corrupt politicians. You got a business. That, you didn't build that. A team of ordinary men emerge from the ashes to give voice to the voiceless and hope to the hopeless. Sackhead Sean. Dude, I'm not saying calf for the stupid bro. Sackhead Clint. All good friends of ours usually show, show up drunk. drunk. Also starring Sako. As the producer. I'm a little bit drunk, I'm a little bit drunk, cause I'm drinking, drinking, drinking. They are the Sackheads Radio Show. Every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Pacific on shrmedia.com. The bloviating Zeppelin. He's big-footed enough radio shows to last a lifetime, courtesy of Sean, Clint, Ken, and Jersey Joe. Now it's time for him to waddle on his own two feet. 
via the glorious SHR Media. Gird thy loins for the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. Coming soon to Ossicles near you. Excelsior. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. And, of course, we're back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome back to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. You are live and direct in the saloon. We're in the SHR Media Network studios. We're up maybe two miles or so from the actual bill mill, the belly of the beast, in leftist central fornicalia. And I'm broadcasting live and direct to you here behind enemy lines in occupied phonicalia. And, of course, as I want to say, we are doing the job the American media maggots won't because that's why you tune in to us. You expect that that's going to be coming. Um, we're going to be having uh, Melanie Collette come in, and uh, she should be speaking to us at the top of the hour. We were talking about gun control. We were talking about gun taxes, taxes on guns in the city of Seattle, Washington. We heard from Tucker Carlson, who weighed in as that right after that tax was uh, was levied. And then there were some unintended consequences that were occurring that leftists purposely, I submit, do not, did not, I don't think they can see. Now, let's listen to Tucker Carlson speak to a, uh, a gun, um, an anti-gun activist, shall we say. And let's listen to the tete-a-tete between the two of them, if we shall. In 2015, the City Council of Seattle passed what it called a gun violence tax. The tax imposed a $25 levy on every gun purchased in the city, along with a five-cent tax on every individual round of ammunition. It worked in one way. A lot of gun sellers have fled the city for the suburbs. People lost their jobs. Did it work? In the intended way, it was designed to make Seattle safer. Tell you what, folks, uh, we just had Melanie call in. And let's put Tucker Carlson aside for a moment, shall we? Let's put Tucker Carlson to bed, uh, just as the sackheads uh, attempt to put um, sleeplessness to bed, shall we say. On the line, just to make sure, do I have Melanie Colette of Money Talk with Melanie? This is she. Hey, outstanding. <laughs> How are you? I am absolutely superb. Thank you ever so much for calling in. Uh, don't know if you happened to hear earlier, I was speaking to Dan Butcher, the High Plains Pundit, and the reason that I wanted to have you on is because I wanted to introduce you to everybody here in SHR Media, in the SHR Media Network. Because the media network is changing, SHR is changing July 2nd, July 3rd, there's a whole bunch of new stuff going on, I haven't spoken to you yet, uh, but I want people to get familiar with you. And I wanted to speak to you uh, tonight about your background. And then I have some other things that I'd like to chat uh, with you about that have to do with finances and budget and perhaps just a bit of the U.S. government. Before we go there, though, 
when I speak to somebody for the first time here in the saloon, I, I like to have them chat with me about the background and whatnot. So I have to ask you, um, you're a conservative, you're a black conservative, how, how did you find your way over to conservatism? I have my story. I'm sure you have a story. I'd love to hear it. Okay. So I think it started, I trace it back to having to work two jobs during undergrad and watching all the kids who did not have to work at all, like party and have a good time as I was dragging <laughs> okay. my tired self back to my apartment every night. Uh, and, and I mean, watching them get their food paid for, their, their shelter, their, their book, everything paid for. And meanwhile, you know, my parents, who were middle class, made too much money for me to get any kind of assistance. So I, I trace it back to way back then, but didn't know that that's what it was. And then I've always been um, a spiritual person. My Christian walk has had many... Uh, forms, I guess you could say. Okay. Um, but I've also had conservative principles, uh, spiritually speaking. So uh, if, you, if you morph the two of those together, I guess you, you end up with, a, with a, a Christian conservative eventually once you add politics. Now, you mentioned, you mentioned being an undergraduate. Um, can you tes- tell us a little bit about, obviously, you're a, a rather uh, educated individual. Can you tell us what your background is and what you did in college and university? Sure. Um, I have an undergraduate degree in business administration. I have a master's in public administration. I am in my third year of my doctoral studies. I'm on a break right Ooh. now because of this media thing has kind of taken over my life. But uh, <laughs> but I will be getting back to it uh, uh, shortly. But I, I I did take a break from my PhD recently. Um, but I'm in I'm in the third year of my of my PhD study, uh, and that's that's in a um, uh, in public administ- a hybrid of business administration with a specialization in public administration. Is, is my educational background. So sooner rather than later, we're going to have to call you. Doctor. No, you really aren't. I, I'm going to tell you. My biggest. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be Melanie Clemson. We should we should call you I doctor. Just, I just envision me in this restaurant or on a plane or something like that, and someone's like choking or having a stroke or some heart attack, and, and someone says, "Is there a doctor in the house?" and and, and they look around and they say, "Oh wait, doctor, doctor Colette is here." Yes, and, there she is. And I'm like, yeah, I just read a lot of books. So, <laughs> so I, I I don't see Doctor Colette on the horizon, and I'm seeing more of a Melly Colette, comma PhD. I, and, and I've told oh. I've told my friends along the way to please smack me if I even remotely become obnoxious after I get my doctorate because it's, I, I can't stand obnoxious PhDs. I just can't. Well, that that's sad. I, I was looking forward to... Call, well, maybe I'll still call you doctor. Anyway, um, on your show, uh, 
you're on Spreaker, you're on a whole bunch of places. We'll get to that in just a moment. But it says, regarding your show, Money Talk with Melanie features lively discussions of a wide range of global, domestic, and kitchen table financial topics. Guests' interviews include entrepreneurs, CEOs, and politicos who are experts in their field. Melanie has been an educator for many years. Courses she teaches... Ah, uh, now this is an interesting point because I'm going to ask you about this. Include financial literacy, accounting, sports marketing, and computer applications. She is currently an adjunct professor at Rowan University. So you're an instructor as well. What? Yes. Holy yes, yes, moly. Uh, okay, Melanie, what is it that you don't do? Cause, because. <laughs> All right, because clearly, I think if there's one label that we can put on you, it's hmm, underachiever. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have social life, so there you go. <laughs> That's what I don't have. Obviously, I don't have a social life. But, uh, and and I, I write, too. That's not, that's not even on there, because some of that's relatively new. I got I to gotta update. And, and my political stuff's not on there, either. <laughs> okay, well, here's here's the part where uh, one of the reasons for getting you on tonight is I wanted to make sure that I give you an opportunity uh, uh, an opportunity to promote yourself as well because people need to know about you and what it is that that you offer. So, can you tell the folks where you can be heard, where you can be read, social media, um, books, articles, anything like that? Everybody wants to hear where that where uh, you can be heard and found. Okay, well, I can be found on SHR Media, of course, and High Plains Pundit Talk Radio and TV. Now, and that's uh, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ten o five Eastern Standard Time, at nine o five Central Time, and seven o five Pacific Time. Now, it, it seems that people would rather see me than hear me. I'm assuming that they're listening to me. When they see me on on, on uh, High Plains Sunday television, I, I'm just going to assume that they're listening to all the big words that I'm saying. <laughs> while I, <laughs> because my numbers just seem to be a lot higher on TV than they are on the radio. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I don't know what's up with that, but I'm going to assume that they're that they're listening to all of these. It's a very you know high tech, intricate, uh, complex financial uh, uh, concepts that we're discussing. On my show, <laughs> that's what I'm going with. But uh, that's where I can be heard. I also write for uh, the Horn News. I'm a contributing writer. Okay. I am working on my first contribution to Politichick, which uh, I, I am a contributing writer for as well. Uh, it should it should uh, rock everyone's world. I think just a little bit. <laughs> I'm hoping. So it'll be controversial. More death threats coming my way. I'm sure. <laughs> now, the other question that I have for you is, okay, you indicated that's kind of how you tended to, to be a conservative individual, but what was it that particularly motivate, motivated you to get into the fiscal, the financial aspect of, uh, of business, or of business at all, for that matter? What, what intrigued you about that? Well, I'll tell you what happened. I, I started with a business degree in the first place. So when I, I took a break from school and I decided to go back, it was like natural to just go ahead and finish the business degree. I always liked technology, and in order to teach technology, you, believe it or not, this is how messed up our public school system, 
I'm laughing. I'm looking in the chat room and I'm laughing. I'm laughing at my friends in the chat. Um, <laughs> but um, you need a, a business degree and um, business teaching certification to teach business business technology, which is what everything that I taught fell under. Believe it or not, financial lit, accounting, hmm, okay. um, computer application. Yeah. So, uh, so that's what kind of got me started. The public administration piece came in because I got interested in education policy and I wanted to understand public policy a bit more uh, and how they spent their money. I understood how private money was spent and private, private budgeting and things like that, but I wanted to understand how the public uh, financing was done and um, because I worked in a private school and I, I didn't like the disparities between private schools and public schools. And I wanted to find out, I wanted to work on education policy and find out how I could help bridge the gap, so to speak. And I was very naive back then. (laughs) Well, hey, weren't weren't we all? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so that's how I got there. In terms of financial things, and um, I'd like to get into some of the people that you've had on your show, but in terms of financial aspects... Is there one particular thing that is sort of your favorite topic to talk about or that, or that you think people really need to know about? My favorite thing to talk about is public spending, public money, um, only because people don't know and, and, how, and how it relates to their everyday lives. And that's why the theme for my show uh, it seems like it's broad, but it's purposely. That's why that's why it says that I discuss kitchen table, global, and domestic financial topics. And also, I have five with something a feature called Five Minutes of Personal Finance at the end of every show. But my favorite thing to talk about is how these public dollars, how all these all these things that people gloss over, really affect your every everyday life. Because I think that a lot of people just listen to the sound bites and don't understand what it means for them. So for me, it's another form of teaching and connecting those dots for my listeners. You've had some really incredible guests on your show, um, and I'd like to ask you about some of the people that you've had on. But I, if I'm not mistaken, you have had uh, Fox News' uh, Ebony Williams on your show as well, have you it, not? Yeah, and it's an amazing – if you have a minute for me to tell the story about how that happened, it was incredible. Oh, please. Oh, please. You, you want to talk about divine timing and just being, being just, just blessed. Um, I, I was at the inauguration week. I, I went to, oh, I don't know, three, four inauguration calendars that week. Okay. That, that night, that, I, 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 so I made the most of it. That night uh, was the New Jersey, the NJGOP gala. I almost didn't go because I was exhausted, absolutely exhausted. So, but, but I decided to go anyway. So I go, and it's, it's crowded where, where everybody is. So I go up to the uh, adult beverage establishment upstairs. <laughs> okay. Where it's kind of, you know, everybody's kind of chilling at the bar. It seems kind of fun. So I'm hanging out, and lo and behold, Ebony Williams sits down next to me. I kid you not. So Cool. I, I'm not kidding. So I look at her and do what every dumb fan does <laughs> and says, and says, you're Ebony Williams. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's absolutely gorgeous and completely down to earth. 
we talked for nearly an hour or so, and she asked me, so let me ask you something, are, are you... Are, are you are you a sister in Christ, is what she says to me. Uh-huh. And I said, absolutely, absolutely, I am. And she said, uh, how would you like me to do do your show? Now, this is February. My Ooh. show started in January. So, um, no, this is January. So this is, this is the inauguration week. So this is the first week of January. My show had just started, literally, had just started. Her appearance wasn't until February. Um, but literally, my show had just started that week, Okay. So she says, how would you like me to do your show? She's like, I usually don't do, do these really that much anymore, but I'd love to help you out. Gives me her personal cell, her personal email address. Wow. And I, I honestly am thinking, she's not going to reply. She's not really going <laughs> to You know, really, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. She's just being nice because she just met this, you know, this poor struggling chick. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, sure enough, she's been on my show twice. That that's that's an incredible incredible grab, so to speak. Uh, but it's all about how you know, who you know, how you meet them, um, and somebody was smiling down upon you. I'd say at that particular time. I, I, listen, I I can't. I can only attribute that to God because I will tell you a week before that, as you, as you all probably know, I used to be on the Exceptional Conservative Network, and right. just a week before. Ken and I were discussing Kim McClinton, so I'm grateful for giving me uh, giving me my 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 break. Um, said to me, "I want you to be the next Ebony Williams, the next Harris Faulkner." But he specifically said, "We had specifically talked about Ebony Williams not a week before," and she sits down next to me at a bar randomly inauguration week. And if you know anything about inauguration week, there are a billion parties all <laughs> over the states. Seriously. All over D C. There's a billion parties going on. So for her to have so for me to end up sitting next to her yep. at a bar in D C I can't attribute to anything but God. I would absolutely agree. Okay, besides Ebony Williams, I, I know you've had an absolute host of people on your show. Uh who are some of the folks that that you've had be, besides her? I've had uh Colonel Colonel Manus, I've had a Colonel Rob Manus. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but he's absolutely fantastic, a, an American hero, really. Um, I've had uh, Albert Gillery, Senator Albert Gillery. He is. Oh, a, a, I'd love to. Him, right? I'd, lo- I'd love to talk to him. I've had him on my show a couple of times. He's a senator who who famously left the fan- the uh, Democrat plantation yep. in 2013 and became a Republican. Love him. Um, Senator Ted Harvey, I've had on the show, uh, who, who's another one who I just love him to pieces. Um, <laughs> he, he's just fantastic. I've had a number of, of very famous economists from the Mises Institute, which is um, this institute of, of economists that do all kinds of fabulous work. I've had economist Didier Sornet uh, from Switzerland, to, who famously predicted the 2008 crash. Uh-huh. Um, okay. market, market crash, and what he does is he um, predicts he, what he does as a hobby. This is how smart this guy is. What he does as a hobby is predict disasters, and one of the disasters <laughs> that oh. he predicted, him and his team, that's what they did. Um, he's a professor over in Switzerland and an economist, but as a hobby, he has this crisis management. He does crisis management um, research, 
and and they they have developed a formula to predict crises. And he predicted the 2008 crash and actually emailed and talked to Greenspan about it the whole nine. So I've had I've been blessed to be such a newbie, have some really great guests and uh, just fantastic conversations. And it's just very exciting for me because if you have not gathered, I am a super nerd. <laughs> well, you may be a nerd, but you're one of the most highly educated nerds that I can possibly think of. <laughs> now, for all the people also that, uh, that I speak to the first time, because I'd like to, well, let me ask you this. I, I won't just assume. Let me ask you, would it be possible that we could have you uh, back in the saloon sometime in the not too terribly distant future? Absolutely. I love the saloon. Now, I have to admit, I needed a little nappy poo. Uh, okay. So I- <laughs> what? Well, that's okay. That That's another thing. You are such a trooper because you're on the East Coast, and it's like after midnight now. So, number one, God bless you. Thank you very much for agreeing to be here because uh, in terms of nappy buys, oh, yeah, it's after midnight back there. So, thank you. Thank you ever so kindly uh, for that. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I, I, but I, I got sleepy around 10, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I took an hour nap, so I'd be wired for sound. Thank for, you. For <sighs> Thank you ever so kindly. When I have people uh, for the first time basically in, in the saloon, I always ask them um, what I consider to be a, a really important question that I find results in answers that, it just really enlightened me, and, and that's this. And obviously, I'll give you a little bit of time to think about it. What were, what would you consider to have been some of the real pivotal points in your life where perhaps your life is going in one particular direction, and something came up, and it, it was a, a massive either a directional change or a paradigm shift or a thought shift or a philosophy shift, for me, for example, one was um, when I decided to go into law enforcement and, and how it was that I got there. Another one was what was what were the motivating factors for me to become a, a conservative? Because, oh, my, in the uh, 60s and the 70s, I was a real dyed-in-the-wool leftist. And then there was another situation that I got into, a, a critical incident in a shooting uh, that changed my perspective on a lot of things. So those were clearly my pivotal points where I was going in one particular direction, just fat and happy, and uh, life came up and slapped me right in the face, and uh, I came to uh, all sorts of various epiphanies. Now, in terms of you, were there any other, were there any real what you would consider pivotal points in your life? Uh, to be honest, most recently, and that is with, that is with the radio show and with me leaving teaching. I have all I have never been a risk taker. Anyone who's known me, my known me for any amount of time, knows that I'm not a risk taker at all. Um, I had a nice, cushy public school teaching job. Okay. Um, now it ate a little bit of my soul every time I went. Uh, the environment. I love to teach. Teaching's fantastic. Once I'm in the classroom and I'm with the kids and they're learning stuff, fantastic. It's the bureaucracy and the environment and just basically, you know, working in the socialist regime. That's the problem. But, <laughs> but so it took a little bit of my soul every day. 
And I, I, what happened this year was this to me this year. I, I never ever ever thought about being in the media um, at all. I thought I, at one point I thought I would be an actress, but that's that's you know for another show. But never the media per se. But I had a I had a lawsuit uh, that settled in, in record time. It settled in a year, and I kept being prodded. You need to last summer. I said you need to not go back to your teaching job. I kept hearing and thinking and feeling, you need to not go back to your teaching job. Okay. But my sensible, practical side said, but you need to eat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, better, you better go back to your teaching job because you don't have a plan B. Well, I will tell you, my, my lawsuit settled. My lawsuit settled and can offer me the radio show in like a two-week span. And I felt like it was God finally saying to me, Melanie, you need to leave your public teaching job. It's time to go. You're done here. It's time for you to move. It's time for you to do something else. It's time for you to teach in a different way. And so it it taught me a lot, and it has taught me a lot um, in in a spiritual sense, mostly in a spiritual sense, just about listening and reliance. And that reliance on God um, and, and listening when he is clearly trying to speak to me. Okay. <laughs> and taking risks, which is not something that I've ever done. And, and it's been such a blessing. Were there any other pivotal points in your life other than that, and that's the, obviously the most recent one that occurred, where you were just sort of floating along and uh, something just incredible happened in your life that moved you in another direction it told me to do something differently i i I don't think i'm ever just moving along i'm always doing something as reflected by the (laughs) but i'm trying to think if i was ever if i've ever just been doing life just floating along I, I wish I could. I, I, Dave Miller in the chat just said, I'm sure Melanie, I'm not sure Melanie ever just floated along. And, and I, I know this sounds like a cop out and lame, but I, but I honestly don't think I ever have. Okay. I or, like I was, I, I've always been working on something. Or we could, we could put it this way. Was there a particular incident where that you encountered where uh, you were just given insight that you didn't have before, where you became enlightened in some fashion, maybe with a particular piece of honesty, clarity, something happened like that in your life. Oh, okay. Now that's a a, a deeper question. There we go. That's a deeper question. Um, I I will say in my political life that... um, and it's just a full disclosure, one of the other things that I do, I'm a first vice president of the New Jersey Federation of Republican Women here in New Jersey. Nice! And, uh, so, <laughs> yeah. So I've been involved uh, with that organization for a few years now. Uh, but I, I will say that politics is a lot uglier than I thought Okay. it was. Um, and and if, I re- if I revealed... If I revealed why I say that, the, the insight, the actual insight, I probably would seriously disappear, Mark. But, uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> but, I, but I, will, I will 
at this, is that the higher you go, the, the dirtier it gets, and I don't care how good of a person you are. Okay? And, that's, and I, it, maybe Donald Trump is the exception. I hope so. But there's a reason why the quote-unquote good guys don't run for higher office. There are reasons for that. Wow. Now, world, the, th- that, that's, that's, oh, that's a show in and of itself just for that. Folks, we're listening to Melanie Collette. She is the host of a very own radio show, Money Talk with Melanie. We're going to take a break of about uh, three or four minutes or so, and we're going to come back and continue talking to Melanie Collette, whom I thank ever so kindly for being here in the saloon tonight. Folks, come right back. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, it's Sean from the Sackheads Radio Show, also one of the owners here at the SHR Media Network. Are you opinionated? Have you ever wanted to do your own show? Have you ever heard somebody like the Sackheads and go, yeah, I could probably do that better? Well, now's your chance. Send me a five-minute clip at sackheadsradio at gmail.com, and maybe you can be part of the SHR Broadcasting Team. Sackheadsradio at gmail.com. Times are dark. The people are misled by corrupt politicians, lied to by establishment media, and deceived by the false messages of Islam. A nation looking for direction needs a guide. It needs a man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me on Spreaker, SHR Media, Pundit Press Radio, and YouTube through the SHR Media page for a different kind of commentary on the unpleasant blind guy. Because the truth is not always pleasant. Hey, this is Mim from Freedom Fest, the world's largest gathering of free minds. Join your friends from SHR Media at the beautiful Paris Resort in Las Vegas, Nevada, July 19th through the 22nd for three amazing days of liberty-oriented discussion, investment advice, and the Anthem Film Festival. It's our big 10th anniversary featuring keynote speaker William Shatner and Freedom Fest favorites, including Steve Forbes, Jim Rogers, Lee Edwards, David Boaz, Doug Casey, Dinesh D'Souza, John Stossel, Lisa Kennedy, Grover Norquist, Peter Schiff, and many more. Don't miss out. Register at FreedomFest.com for $100 off the regular registration rate when you use the all-caps code SHR Media. Featuring right thinking from a left brain and doing the job the American maggots won't, BZ is fundamentally changing America one diaper at a time. Just when safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists, where the speech is free... But the drinks are not. The bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon can be heard every Tuesday and Thursday night, commencing at 11 p.m. Eastern and 8 p.m. Pacific, where pushback is a requisite art form in and of itself. Let your ossicles be truly liberated when you listen to the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon, only on SHR Media Network. No ferrets were harmed in the making of this ad. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I have to say welcome back to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. It is Thursday, June 29th, the year of our Lord, 2017, and we are talking to Melanie Collette. She's the host 
and serious underachiever of anything and everything in life. Uh, she is going to pick up a doctorate in the not-too-terribly-distant future. And I was reading in chat, Melanie. I was going to ask you a question, then I got, I got delayed by chat. And darn me for not mentioning all the people in chat. There's Bigfoot in chat. Mary Brockman is in chat. Dan Butcher is in chat. Dave Milner is in chat. And Melanie Colette is also in chat. But in the chat room, Dave Milner wrote that you managed a McDonald's at the age of 16 that's a story and i've got to hear it okay I that happens in um in my store. Ab- wonderful, absolutely wonderful. You you were addressing also uh, a particular issue that I'm going to ask you about now just before we went to the break. You mentioned politics and you mentioned uh that you um the way you mentioned it, I have to ask you, are you thinking about anything political yourself? I, I ran for office locally, which was just very, the first time you run for office and you're not particularly confident, uh, it's very hard. So I think I would have been more of my, I lost, not, not terribly, but I lost to a doofus. And um, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Guys, the guy's a total fool. I hate to say that, but it's just true. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Like what I mentioned to you before about the higher up you go, the dirtier and uglier it is. Right. And that's why a lot of the really, really, really good people don't do it. Um, I hope that I'm one of those really good people. But maybe, maybe Donald Trump has has changed the game in in that way. Um, I, I was encouraged to run for something they call assembly here uh, okay. earlier this year. I, I, I said no. So, I, you know, it, it, it's in the cards, but I'm not particularly interested at this point. <laughs> Put it that way. I okay. want to do good. I want to be where I can do the most good. That's, that's the thing. And I'm not sure that in politics particularly is, is, is where I can do the most good. Now, maybe some other people know, but I do not. Obviously, you're on the the East Coast. In what city or town are you? I am in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey, which has the the awesome distinction of having the longest name in the country. It's in the Guinness Book of World Records, actually. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Didn't didn't see that coming. (laughs) Yes, that's where I live. 
Now, um, we talked about your background. We talked about your financial uh, wherewithal. Uh, now, I, what, I, what I'd like to do is ask you, maybe tickle your brain about some things that, that have to do um, with the U.S. and the budget and things of a fiscal nature. One of the first things that I knew that I wanted to ask you because of your background and your education, your training, your experience, what is it that you happen to think with regard to the, the push – by leftists for, say, a $15 an hour living minimum wage? Well, I think it's, uh, I think those people are not very smart and don't know how to count. That's, uh, and don't understand, <laughs> I mean, and don't understand, you know, economics and that businesses are not in the business, they're not charities, they're businesses. That's the thing. And your job can be done by a robot. Literally. So, so you know, there, here's the thing. And I mentioned in the chat room that when I worked at McDonald's, I made three fifty an hour. Now, l- little did I know, my mom tells the story all the time. I live in a very small town. My mom knew our manager um, at McDonald's. And my mom said to the managers, you, my, my sister worked there too, make sure you work their behinds really hard because I want to make sure that they understand the importance of getting education so that they don't want to work here the rest of their lives. And, and, and the managers have lied. Consequently, both my, my sister and, my, and, and I have, have college degrees. So, so that little plan on my mom's part works. But the yes. thing is, you know, the reason why you get paid so little, minimum wage is now eight something an hour. It was three fifty an hour when I, when I worked at McDonald's. Um, is because that is commensurate with your experience, yes. with your level of education. So you're you're literally getting paid with your with your worth because we're in a capitalistic society and that's what it's about. And I don't mean your spiritual worth, I don't mean your worth to God, I mean your economic worth. And leftists tend to conflate the two. And and, and that and that's the problem. You know, those jobs are not designed to feed a family of four. That's why you don't get paid that much. You know, that that's the thing. People are, are, are making that a particular issue, and you mentioned uh, automation, for example, and as a result of that, we're seeing a lot more kiosks say that the first thing that I think of, and I think the, the first thing that most people think of in terms of a minimum wage or a living wage is uh, the fast food industry, and it seems to me that these people are pushing for that at absolutely the wrong time in the history of America right now. Absolutely. And not only are the fast food restaurants doing it, but you're, you're like your Applebee's, which is not necessarily fast food. It's kind of, you know. Oh, mid- yes, you're right. Yep. But but like your Applebee's and your Fridays and those places, they have it right on the, on the counter. Yep. Where you can order your food. Like your waitress is basically like a food runner now. They're not really legitimate waitresses like they used to be. So why you're – and that's the other thing. Like you, you clearly – have no economic prowess whatsoever if you're demanding $15 an hour, and all for the wrong reasons. That's the other thing. But it's all about your feelings, and it's all about taking care of your family. When you are talking business, you have to provide economic value. You you have to say that I'm worth to you economically $15 an hour, not because I need to feed my family. That's not an economic argument, and it's never going to work in a capitalist society. 
No, and I'm reading chat here, and you say, you know the secret behind McDonald's. Okay. McDonald's fries. Oh, okay, I don't know the secret about McDonald's fries. Can you reveal it? Yes, they're coated in in sugar. They're flash frozen and fructose. Oh, (laughs) really? Okay. Literally. Did not see that coming. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry. I just had to ask. I saw it in chat, and people responding to it, and I thought, okay, well, uh, all right, I need to know what the secret of McDonald's is. Now, we were talking, uh, by the way, we're speaking to Melanie Collette, uh, host of the of her own radio show on the SHR Media Network, uh, Money Talk with Melanie. And we were speaking about the minimum wage, and if we're going to go there, one of the other things I was thinking is, I'll wager you probably have some thoughts and opinions that uh, regarding the movement that's beginning in Europe right now, and perhaps with some economists in terms of, what do they call it, a universal wage? Yeah, I think, isn't it Mark Zuckerberg who came up with that foolishness? Uh, I think it's been around for a while, but yes, he most recently has been talking about it. And then, of course, people back in the EU uh, have brought it back up again, particularly those in Sweden and Norway. Yeah, you know, I it gets back to what I just said a moment ago about having economic value on your work. There needs to be an economic value. Universal wage indicates that basically just because you're living and breathing, you deserve to get paid some baseline salary. That is not, I'm sorry, I hate to break it to you, That your living and breathing is not an economic value. And, and, and that gets back to, you know, you don't have anybody working behind a McDonald's counter, likely, that has a college degree. Because if they do, then that, their value is more than $8 an hour. There's a reason for that. That if you have a college degree, and, and here's the misnomer. Saying you have a college degree is like, oh, you're you're so much better than everybody else because you have a college degree. That says you're so much smarter. No, it doesn't. (laughs) You're right, it doesn't. You're not. That has nothing to do with being smart. In fact, part of the reason why I got my master's is because I met a lot of dumb people that had master's degrees, and I thought it cannot possibly be that hard. That's just a But seriously, getting your degree is about (sighs) things like being on time to class, discipline, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, wherewithal, things like that, things that you need in order in order to function in in a good job in a job with with greater responsibility. That's what your college degree says: is that you have intuitiveness, okay, and that you can conquer different personalities of dumb professors that you have to deal with along the way. So, you know, what your college degrees bring to you have a lot more to do with skills that you learn. Than, than what you actually read in your book. And that's what people don't get. And that's why people who have college degrees get paid more money. It has, it has very little to do with your actual knowledge. I guarantee you many people who have college degrees will tell you if they had to take their final exams today, today right now, that they took in order to get out of college, they probably would not pass. <laughs> Talking to that's you... The- is absolutely refreshing. It, it, it is literally like turning your pillow upside down and burying your face in the cool side of your pillow. 
it's it's great to have someone be so absolutely frank about the financial world. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple of more questions. We've got, um, I think we've got about 10, 12 minutes or so. There's cool. a, another article that just came out from uh, CNSnews.com. And the headline is this. It says, CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, income taxes up 9.5% next year, but debt climbs more than $1 trillion. And they say this, unless current tax laws are changed, federal individual income tax collections will increase by 9.5% in fiscal year 2018, which begins on October 1st, according to data released today by the Congressional Budget Office. So, with that in mind, do you have any particular thoughts with regard to current tax laws and or tax breaks, et cetera, that uh, the Trump administration is considering? I do. I can't believe that the CBO gave, gave Donald Trump that incredible solid. <laughs> That's just a little shocking. I, I will say that uh, the CBO... Budgeting is something that the CBO is actually good at. I don't know who assigns them the task of predicting how programs are going to work out. Like, they really should just stick to budgeting because that's what they're good at, mm-hmm. um, honestly. But I do I do think that, that, that they just gave Donald Trump, from a political standpoint, a, a major push to put in place the, the tax cuts that he needs to do it, now, that, he, that he wants to do. Now, here's the other thing. Even during his election, the numbers weren't adding up to me. From a from a financial, it wasn't adding up. Okay, a lot of it was um, conjecture, uh, meaning okay. So if we like no real numbers, so if we do this, then it's just stimulate the economy, and therefore more money is going to come in this way. But we don't have any definite about exactly how much they're planning on cutting. Like there's no budget yet. I mean the budget. The budget that we did, the last budget that they did, was had a lot of cuts in it, but also still had a lot of spending. So, you know, I, I, I'm concerned. But that was really Barack Obama's budget that they were finishing. So I'm, I'm going to give him a little bit of leeway there. A little bit. A little okay. Bit. Um, All right. And say hopefully, hopefully with the next one, that's legitimately his. That is his budget that they're going to make some major changes. But, you know, the Congressional Budget Office is, is, is they, they didn't do everything that they wanted to do with this budget because part of it was Barack Obama's budget. It was the budget that, he never, that Barack Obama never passed, which a lot of people don't realize that, but that's what it was. Um, but this next one is all his. So I'm hoping to see some big changes, but they've got to be huge and they've got to be drastic. That's, that's the thing. Here were some of the things that Trump was advocating, and I'd like your thoughts and opinions on them. On them, one of the first was he was he was advocating eliminating most uh, federal income tax deductions and loopholes for the very uh, rich. Uh, now, the Gallup poll found that sixty three percent of American adults favored this. Uh, what's your thoughts about uh, eliminating most federal tax deductions and loopholes? I, I like that idea, especially in the upper, from a political standpoint, because frankly, it doesn't, 
it doesn't add up to that much money when you consider that the rich are who pay most of the taxes. Correct. So, you know what I'm saying? So it's so it's a polit that's a political that's political spend. It, it, it's fodder and it's political spend. So you know, I say do it. <laughs> Fine, you know, do it. But it but it's not going to add up to that much money. You understand what I'm saying? Because yes. they, because they pay most of the taxes. So you know. To get rid of the, it, it's pretending like uh, rich people save all this money because of the loopholes. Well, not really. No, not really. They exactly. Don't. You know what I mean? Because they're still paying the majority of the taxes. You know, a- the, the way our tax structure is is set up is so that they pay the vast majority of of our taxes, and that people who don't make any money. Pay pay no taxes at all, and as a matter of fact, get get a refund. Yes, I'm still trying to understand yes. the word refund as I understand it means that you paid money and you get money back from what you paid because you overpaid. But that's not how it works in our tax structure. It's not actually a refund. If you get an eight thousand dollar tax return and you pay zero taxes, no, you just got is eight thousand dollar bonus check. For nothing, free money. That's, Woo, woohoo! That's, yes, exactly, and you never, and you never, you, they never require people who say are not working or on public assistance or something like that who get get a big tax return like that. They never require them to reinvest it in. I don't know, making a class. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't investing. Know. Yeah, exactly. Reinvesting exactly. it in in themselves, for example. Now here's another exactly. proposal. Here's another exactly. proposal that he had. He wanted to simplify yeah. the federal tax code, and he wanted to reduce, uh, I think there's seven tax brackets right now, and he wanted to reduce them to, to four. On its face, yeah. it sounds admirable. Is it feasible? I wish it were feasible. I, I think, Here's what I think. I think there are so many. It, it, it's in that concept are all these jobs and departments and regulations and, and politicians on both sides of the aisle that have money invested in keeping the system the way it is. Right. So that, that, that's the part that people don't understand, including Donald Trump himself, I think. Like, I, he wants to drain the swamp, but I don't think that he quite gets. Maybe he's getting it now, but I don't think that he quite understood what he was saying when he was saying it, that he wanted to drain, drain the swamp. I don't think he understood how deep the swamp was. And so when you talk about something like, you know, reducing the tax brackets, well, look at, look at all the industries that you're going to affect by simplifying the tax code. Do you think the lobbyists for those, those industries are going to just allow you to simplify the tax code drastically like that? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. Enrolled, enrolled agents, CPAs, ad nauseum. Exactly. It's an industry. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, when we're talking about, you know, making these kinds of policy changes, these are the things that people don't consider. They say, well, fine, all you do, you know, pass a law, bill becomes a law, goes through, you know, goes to the House, goes to the Senate, President signs it, awesome. Well, not, no, not really. <laughs> There's a lot that goes on uh, in between uh, all of that happening. And, and for one, I'm sure, you know, CPAs in America or wherever it is, it's going to have something to say about that. 
Um, there, are t- there are two other questions that I'd like to ask. We've got about uh, maybe four more minutes left or so, right around in there. Um, one of them involves uh, what I would, what I wish, and I'm, I'm just sort of uh, whistling past the graveyard with this one, but I'd, I'd be curious what you think. I think, I believe fervently that Americans should be made to pay quarterlies just like businesses. Once Americans had to pay their quarterlies, there would be a tax revolution the likes of which this nation and probably no nation on earth will ever have seen. Businesses must do it. Individuals don't. I would love to see something like that happen because then the blinders would be ripped off the public. That is so true, and I love it. But, but you know, a lot of small businesses, especially in America, I don't know what the stat is, something like 80% or something like that is, is small businesses. But most most small businesses don't file as as a business. They file as they pay their taxes as individuals. So, I mean, you would have to vet that really? out. Yeah. Most people pay as individuals. They, a lot of people don't. They, they do it as like their side hustle, and, uh, you know, they take deductions for it. But they don't. A lot of small businesses are not registered as businesses. A lot of it is like I have this small business. I file as an individual. And because that my, this is my job, at my small business is a job. My job is my small business that I own. They file as individuals. They don't file as a separate business entity. You quit. People who do that are pretty much big dogs. They're not just not the little small businesses. Don't most people pay as individuals? Believe it or not. Um, Didn't yeah. see that coming. Didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> hey, one final question for you. Uh, Trump also indicated that he wanted to plan to try to eliminate the uh, estate tax uh, paid when when somebody dies. Again. America says, woohoo, yes, we love it. Again, is that feasible? You know, I hope that it is. I think that it is. I think that it is from a logic standpoint and because all, because we're all, this is one situation where we are all kind of equal. And what I mean by that is we all die, right? <laughs> we're all eventually leaving. Oh, yes. So, so you know, I think that everybody can relate on some level to wanting to leave something for their kids, no matter how small. Now, and having, no matter how small or big. Now, I know it doesn't, you know, they say it, it, the argument that it's like some kind of, you know, passing wealth on to one another and it's not fair is ridiculous. Part of the reason why people work so hard in their lifetime so, so, so that they can give a gift to their kids. Yes. That's, what, that's why they did it in the first place. And now all of a sudden you're saying, well, no, you can't do that. And who is the government to say that, especially in our country? That is not how our country works. That's not how our Constitution works. I think it's patently unconstitutional, frankly. I, 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 would, I, absolutely, I would absolutely agree. Okay, we're going to have to jam here. I have to say, number one, thank you very, very much for coming in. I'd love to have you back on the show in the saloon. Tell people again to remind folks where you can be found and where you can be heard. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so much fun. Thanks, everybody, in the chat. Um, 
Money Talk with Melanie, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on SHR Media and High Plains Sunday Talk Radio and TV. Live uh, on shrmedia.com. You can see me, come chat, come listen. Um, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Perfect. Money Talk with Melanie. You got to be there. Aloha. Melanie, thank you ever so kindly for being in here. Folks, unfortunately, it's time for old Zeppas to take off. And thank you for listening. And uh, Melanie, hope to have you back. This was a great night. This was a grand night. I got to speak to Dan Butcher, the High Plains pundit. I got to uh, speak to Melanie Colette of Money Talk with Melanie. It was a great show, and I had, I had an absolute great time. Um, thank you ever so kindly for listening to me tonight in the saloon, right here on the SHR Media Network. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BZEP. My blog at bloviatingzeppelin.net. And I have to say thanks to my personal KC-135 Kettle One refueling team because you know what I'm going to be doing with them in less than an hour. So, folks, God bless. Take care. Be safe. Thanks for listening. Come back next Tuesday. Quiet down now and get some sleep. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. What's going on? I was asleep. What's everybody doing? Good night, Good night Jim Good night, and good luck. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.